Trammell and Chin team up once more. Dug again by Hornung. Maybe her best one yet. Right side to Cleveland. Tools the block of Farmer. Both comes and catches the back row. Second ace of the set for the Boilermakers, and they close it out, 25-20. Grace Cleveland goes cross-court. Grace Cleveland wins the match and propels Purdue to elite status. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. Uh, Coach, preseason, preseason's over. Got that last scrimmage in the books this this past weekend, and uh, and now it gets really real here in a couple days. Uh, just overall thoughts on the preseason that last scrimmage and, and how you feeling right now? Well, I think that we're, we're healthy, which is great. A lot of people aren't at this point. And coming off of a late season a year ago that went into April, uh, I think that our people did a really good job of, of having balance with what they were doing. And, and our, our credit goes to our strength coach and our, our trainer for doing a tremendous job of having them ready so that we, we could go through the type of workouts we've gone through for the past two weeks and not have any overuse injuries or you know, get anybody hurt, soft tissue injuries, things like that. So we feel really good. Uh, I like the team. I like their attitudes, their behavior. Uh, defensively, they're, they're playing tremendous volleyball. It's hard for us to score them. In, in these scrimmages that we've had, I've walked out of there thinking, man, are we not any better than that offensively? Because um, the hitting percentages have not been great, but yet I give a lot of credit to our defense. Our blocking is, is really good. We're very athletic, very fast at the net. Big hands getting over the net, and then our backcourt people are just scooping everything up. So uh, it's going to be difficult for our hitters to score points in practice, and I'm hoping that when we get in matches, it won't be as difficult. But if it is, we'll be prepared for it because we're seeing it every day in practice. That's for sure. Let's go ahead and get, we'll, we'll set you up with what we got today on the show. I'm Corey Palm. He's Dave Shondell. I meant to do that off the top and didn't. Uh, I'm still, still learning the ropes here. Yeah. The rookie rookie mistake. Uh, we're going to go through the roster, uh, position group by position group. We'll, we'll talk about the opening weekend coming up, uh, a couple tough matches out, out of the gate mm-hmm. here in Holloway Gym. And, and we're going to introduce you, uh, hopefully, to some familiar names, some, uh, some voices you're going to get used to hearing this season on the Purdue radio crew uh, joining joining the the party, rejoining the party as it were. But that's down the road for now, Coach. Let's go ahead and go through the roster, uh, position by position. We'll start in the back row. We'll start okay. with the with the, let's start with the DS position, defensive specialist. Uh, really, sort of usually the the unheralded heroes of a club. Uh, how's how's that group shaping up? I know you've been talking a lot about. Uh, about, about your options. Yeah, I, and, and I hear what you're saying about them being unheralded, but there's a lot of young players that love to be the libero, and they love to, to, to be in the backcourt playing defense and to, to play at this level in the Big Ten. Uh, I think that they all enjoy that opportunity. But we returned the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, and Jenna Otek, a grad student in her fifth year, and uh, she's actually better than she was a year ago. She just seems to be more calm and confident as a player. And um, I think that her teammates are responding great to her. Uh, then competing for that libero spot was the libero from the year before, and that is Marissa Hornung. And Mo is just playing with a, a different level of purpose right now and um, really getting on the ball quick, making a, making a ton of plays. And I know one week they had combined for 77 digs in the scrimmage last Sunday. And then this past Saturday, I think they combined for about 67 digs between the two of them, and those, of course, were in five-set 
five set matches, but they're making a, a lot of plays and they're going to give us two real stars in the backcourt. And then I go to Maddie Skimmerhorn, who might be third on the depth chart right now. And I, I think she could play the libero position for a lot of schools, not just in the country, but even in the Big Ten. And she's a junior and has played substantially for us the past couple of seasons and one of the best athletes that we have on our team. Uh, Ma- um, Emma Tewilliger will be a senior, and she was a serving special DS a year ago and will be a similar role to to her again this year for her this year a uh, great server has a ton of experience coming in that's a, that's a tough role to come off the bench and have to serve a ball tough yeah uh, people don't recognize the challenge of that but she has learned to do that very very well and people would also be surprised what a great athlete she is when we do our running um, in practice or uh, if a team happens to lose in a competitive drill she is always the first one uh, in those um sprints that we do so she's she's got the ability to go in and make plays as well and then we have another uh, junior Ava Torrance and uh, Ava has really become more physical and uh, more confident I like the way that she is playing we have um, Savannah Chacon who is a sophomore of course all these people could be a year younger based on this new COVID regulation but that's for another day uh, but Savannah is also somebody that last year was kind of treading water at times because she was, I think, overthinking everything. And uh, she's kind of come to terms with the fact that she's in a good place. She may have to just be patient for uh, another year before she's going to step into the, uh, a real serious um, playing opportunity. But I, I really like uh, the way she's playing right now. And then the freshman, younger sister of Mo, is Allie Hornung. And she comes in as highly talented as a backcourt player we've ever had. Of course, she was not a backcourt player in high school and club, but was a five foot ten and a half inch, you know, jumper, hitter, blocker. And now we're kind of uh, taking some of those responsibilities away from her and learn, helping her become a great passer, defender, server, and and court leader. But she is somebody I think our fans will see uh, as this season moves on. And I. I can say this with with great confidence. I don't think anybody in the country has a backcourt crew, a defensive ball control outfit like we do at Purdue, and uh, and that's a great place to start. If you can start with that first contact and great toughness and and, and just complete intensity uh, every night, that's a great place to start. For sure, you want that ball control, which leads to our next group. Uh, you get you get a good pass. That means you're going to get a good set. Hopefully, and uh, you've got a couple great setters. I know uh, you're very, very encouraged about going into the season. Well, Haley Bush comes back after an All-America season, an All-Big Ten season, and um, I don't want to say she's undersized. She is, when you look around at the photos in this room, we're we're in our conference room, and we have some of our all-time great players in here, and Jacqueline Hart was 6'1", and Renata Dargan was... Uh, about the same height, six foot, half inch. And you had Val Nickel and Rachel Davis and uh, Ashley Evans, who just made the uh, USA team that will play in the North Seca Games, which was a huge, huge deal awesome. for her. But those were all taller setters. And then um, what Haley does is bring us this incredible speed and athleticism and toughness that has made her really, really special. And so she'll 
start the season uh, for the fourth time in a row as our go-to setter uh, to begin with and uh, bring a lot of the intangibles that I like to have. Uh, and I think our players look to her with great confidence, which is really, really important. I think the backup setter who we need to get some serious time for this year is Meg Renner. Uh, Meg redshirted her freshman year. That was two seasons ago. Uh, right after that season was over and we're getting into spring workouts, she had an injury where she hurt her knee. She was uh, out for almost a year and came back and practiced and trained. And toward the end of the uh, would have been a spring season, our regular fall season turned spring, uh, she started to get back to, to close to normal, but it wasn't really until I think this preseason that uh, she's begun become more confident about her leg. When you, when you have an injury like that, it takes a while emotionally to come back. Um, and now I think she's she's there, but she's six one, and I thought she had a really good scrimmage. Uh, ball's coming out of her hands very well, and again, just the look look on her face is is much better than it has been for a, about a year and a half. And then we have another setter out of uh, Massachusetts, and that's Sydney Yim. And Sydney is uh, about six foot. Uh, I think we've listed her a little bit taller than she is. Yeah. Uh, I think she's probably uh, close to six foot, but a really good athlete that um, was a player of the year in, uh, in her state and has come in here and underst understands that she's got work to do, like every setter that comes into a Big Ten situation, but she's willing and making great progress. And again, a good athlete. We, she wouldn't be on, on our roster if she wasn't a really good athlete. And it's just going to be a matter of time before she gets the reps in and, and learns more about the game. But to have three setters like that is uh, a real luxury for our program. Certainly uh, helps in practice as much as anything to be able to, to run, I would, I would assume, multiple different different options. Yeah, we can provide different looks yeah. for uh, our first unit when we go across the net. And uh, again, that competition that they know they've got to work hard. They've got to be in the gym extra on their own uh, to raise their level to where they're going to have the opportunity to compete, whether it be in practice or in real matches. Let's go up front now. We'll start uh, We'll start on the outside, your outside hitting group. Uh, great depth there as much as anywhere. Really the whole front line, amazing depth, which yeah. you've got 21 roster uh, uh, positions you're going to have depth hopefully but uh, let's talk about the outside. yeah games are, are won and lost often with your pin attackers those are the, the the two left side hitters and your opposite player and we have experience for sure I mean obviously everybody back but Caitlin Newton uh, started some as a freshman and all the time as a sophomore junior and senior now goes into another a fifth season, so uh, I'm expecting big things from her and counting on her to, to have a great, great year, which she is very capable of. She has an uncommon arm uh, that just hits the ball as hard as anybody we've ever had, and it's just a matter of her getting herself into tip-top condition. Um, you know, she had an injury also, not a major injury, but she did have some surgery and it took her a while to come back. And I never felt like she was 100%, you know, last season. We need her to get to 100% uh, really fast and have the kind of year that she's capable of. And then uh, on the left side crew, you're followed up by Maddie Chin, who's a six foot, two and a half inch junior. Maddie Cook, who's a six two junior. And Emma Ellis, who's a six two junior. So it all sounds similar. And they all got a lot of playing time last year, uh, but they all have strengths and things that, that I like. Some are better offensively, some are better blockers, some bring more enthusiasm, some make less errors, some have higher potential. 
It's just all these different things that you know kept them all in the fray a year ago. And I think that they'll all be um, capable this year, but I don't think that we're going to spread that position out as much as we did just because our, our schedule is so tough and, and they, they've had opportunity now to prove themselves and do the work that they need to do to get where they want to be that now it's going to be a matter of let's go with one player and then if we need some help off the bench then we'll go off the bench but let's not be playing multiple uh, what's the word I'm looking for musical chairs with those people um, so um, and then we also have Emily Rastovsky who is a freshman out of Morgan Township uh, who is a really, really good athlete, but it's she's not in the same league right now um, with those others. And she may redshirt this season to give her four additional years to play. And uh, then, of course, the other pin attacker we have is Grace Cleveland. And uh, Grace, uh, first-team All-America player, she plays on the right side but can play on the left, and will get swings on the left. But uh, Grace looks really good to me. Uh, right now better than she was last year when she was a first-team All-American. So I think that should be a positive thing uh, for our fans. But uh, that's six, you know, pin attackers, if I've got my math right. And uh, the game games are won and lost with those people. And uh, so we have to get better. I've talked all year about offensive efficiency. And last year we were sixth in the Big Ten in hitting percentage. And you know, you've watched enough volleyball and looked at stats enough to know that normally the team with the best hitting percentage wins the match. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not always that way, but nine out of ten times, nine out of ten nights, that's the way it will be. So we have to improve that percentage. And with the ball control we've got and with a really good setter, uh, it's going to come down to decision-making by our hitters and continued growth by those pin hitters to get us uh, to the promised land, which is where our where we're planning on going. Another huge area where uh, the, st- the statistics are more in your favor, a uh, little better than sixth in the conference is the block. In the, in the, yeah. the, the ladies in the middle provide uh, quite a lot of force in, in your yeah. test and, and quite a lot of depth this, this season. No, we've, we've uh, really hit the jackpot with uh, some middle athletes. And uh, J.L. Johnson, who, who will be a senior and started last year and could have started some other years, but had to wait patiently for her opportunity. And she's healthy right now. A year ago, she had a nagging injury that kind of slowed her at times, but she had to play because we only had two middles um, that were on the roster, to be honest with you, because Molly Brown was somebody that, that needed to, to wait and, and, and was, we were going to redshirt her, but that became automatic anyway. Uh, but certainly with JL and Taylor Trammell, they had to play every minute uh, of every match in the middle for us. Now, um, and I'll talk, you know, JL is just a real great offensive player and somebody that was highly touted coming out of Avon High School, but she has surpassed any expectations that anybody would have for her. And that's just because of who she is, uh, her, her mentality, her work ethic, her team teamness that she displays on, a, on such a broad basis. She's just been a real crowd favorite. And then Taylor Trammell out of Lexington, Kentucky, was the third leading blocker in America. Not the third leading blocker on our team, not in the league, but in America, in the NCAA Division One as a freshman. And so she's got an incredible knack for getting those big hands in the right spot and uh, needs to improve her offense. JL's a better offensive player. Taylor's a little bit better defensively with a block. And both of them need to improve a little bit in, in the areas that they're not as strong in. But that's a great starting point mm-hmm. to have those two. And then you go to Lord Myers, 
and Lordez is uh, a, a freshman, redshirt freshman, that was out all last year, did not play, came in, we found out she had some problems with her leg, had to have some work done there, and, and really didn't do anything until this fall. First time we really have had a real practice with her was this fall, but she's um, got a really good arm and uh, learns quickly, and so we're happy with her. And then Raven Colvin is the other middle uh, in that group that looks like is going to really push for playing time. It will be hard not to play her because she's so dynamic and such a great competitor, jumps extremely well, has big hands, uh, competes at the highest level uh, with intensity. So she's going to be somebody that our fans will enjoy watching. And then Molly Brown, who is a, a redshirt freshman that uh, has the physical attributes that you need. She's 6'2", six 6'2 two, six two wingspan of 6'6", six six, the longest wingspan on our team. Okay. And it's just a matter of her getting the time, you know, and then finding a way to beat out J.L. Johnson mm-hmm. and Taylor Trammell and Lourdes Myers and, and Raven Colvin, which won't be easy for her to do. But uh, our middles are a group that to have that many take some of the pressure in practice off having to play those people all the time. It's a tough position to play. Probably the hardest working position in volleyball is your middles because they've just got to block left and right, and, and they're, they're, it's just tough on them. So I'm glad we've got a good core of them that we can uh, rest some of them during practice so they'll be a little more fresh and they won't be susceptible to some of those overuse injuries that we may have had in the past. It seems like with all these options, um, it's, it's really uh, the challenge is going to be making sure everybody stays involved, maybe maybe gets involved, maybe uh, you can recognize the hot hand and that, that comes from whatever sets you're running, that comes from whatever options you're giving to, uh, to Haley Bush, and, yeah. and then, then the yeah. choices she makes, right? Yeah, I think a lot of it is also, when you're talking about who's hot, that, that starts in the week of practice. Yeah. I mean, is somebody getting your attention in practice? Because... We can't we can't just give out those opportunities like they're candy in in matches. You know you're going to have to show us during the week that you're better than the person that has been playing in front of you, and and they've had you know two weeks doesn't seem like a long time, but that's been about 25 practices right. that we've been in the gym charting these players to get numbers on them, having all of our coaches watch carefully, and not only is it is it what's their hitting percentage and how many balls they block and and what's their passing average and things like that. But what's the trust level that their teammates have in their consistency to perform and make plays on a regular basis? And you might have, these, you might have somebody with very similar numbers, but, when, but they have to be, you have to be able to count on them. They have to be reliable. Uh, that in the right situation, you know they're going to make the play. You know that the, their teammates can look to them and, and Haley can say, I'm getting you the ball because I know you're going to make the play right now. Or ball served to that person, you know that they're going to be the one that's going to stick that ball right to the target. So, yeah, we got 21 players, and it's going to be a, a little bit of a situation that we're going to all have to deal with, but we only have one choice. Yep. Be a great teammate, work together, communicate freely, ask questions, work your tail off, and, and the best group for that time will be on the floor to help us win, and then we'll all be happy. Nothing, nothing makes you happier than winning. Mm. Let's go ahead and look at opening weekend. You've got uh, a, a good challenge coming out of the gates uh, with a pair of matches this weekend for the Reamer Club Extra Special Volleyball Premiere. Loyola Marymount comes in here on uh, on Friday evening, 6 o'clock. Start there to lift the season. 
And, and then Sunday afternoon, a matinee match with Kansas. The Jayhawks come in. I know mm-hmm. they've had some success lately. Those are two historically solid programs. Yeah, I, I really like starting off with really good teams because it motivates not just your players but your coaches all through the off season, which was shorter this year. Mm-hmm. But you still need to be you'd be pushed and have something to shoot for and not let that, that playing in the Big Ten is not enough. But okay. uh, I like to, to know that first weekend that somebody's going to be there ready to punch you in the mouth. And in this case, Aaron Mansfield, one of the best young coaches in America at LMU, has put together a really, really good team. I mean, LMU is right in the middle of – how much is in the middle of Los Angeles? I've been to LMU, but uh, it's right in uh, in you know volleyball country, and, and he's done a great job. He's a very well respected. His whole family is respected in the sport of volleyball, and he has really put a core together. He had a couple of players that opted out last year because of the COVID, and uh, now they're back. Um, and they've had a, a, I think she's still listed as a freshman, but she's in her second year. Uh, a six foot five inch pin hitter that was one of the most highly recruited players in the country. So that's who we're opening up with. Yeah. And uh, they're out of the West Coast Conference, which has BYU and it has San Diego and it has Pepperdine and Santa Clara and St. Mary's and a whole bunch of others. And um, they're a really good good team that I think will make the NCAA tournament this year unless they've overscheduled and they, they lose some matches that maybe they shouldn't. But I like their team and they're kind of a mystery team because. One of their best players hasn't played for three years. I mean, didn't play last year, didn't play the year before that. Um, and now she's going to have her opener, her coming out party here at Holloway Gym. So uh, they've got they've got really good uh, pinned attacking. They've got a really nice setter that I think made their all-conference team and a good libero. So they will be a really good team, and we will have to be ready to go if we want to stay in the match with them on Friday night at 6 p.m. Tickets available still. I'm sure there's a handful out there. If you can't make it to Holloway, and we need that place packed uh, for the first time in what feels like forever. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine with the volleyball fever we have around West Lafayette right now that that the roof won't be blown off of Holloway Gym on on Friday night because there's no better time to do it than when you bring this kind of a team in that's that's going to be on a mission and our squad that's going to be looking for the same type of success. So it'll be a good one. And as you mentioned, Kansas on Sunday, just because it's at 2 p.m. doesn't mean it's, it's not going to be an electric atmosphere because mm-hmm. some of our best matches that we've ever played have been on a Sunday afternoon in Holloway Gym. And Kansas is a team that is also uh, highly touted. Uh, they were the final four, I think, four years ago with great talent. And now they're starting to re reemerge. They kind of disappeared for a while. Didn't make the NCAA tournament. Now they're back on the move. And another well-coached team, Ray Bouchard, is a veteran coach that uh, has, has has really put together a nice team. And uh, they'll be one of the better teams in the Big 12 this season. PurdueSports.com for tickets to those matches, or you can if you can't make it to Holloway, you can listen on the radio or uh, or watch on beat. Excuse sure. me, I gotta get the gotta get the branding right here. Big Ten Plus. Yeah. Big Ten Plus will be the live streaming option for both of those matches. Uh, you'll hear a familiar voice there. Speaking of familiar voices, Coach, uh, we've got a, a a new radio crew stepping in this fall. We're gonna hear from them in a minute, but uh, just your thoughts on on a couple familiar names and faces. Well, Daniel Gilman had done a great job for us for the past couple of seasons, and he's he's a real pro. And uh, we just couldn't find enough work for him in this smaller market to keep him occupied. So he has gone out to uh, Cal Poly 
um, and doing a variety of sports uh, for that university. So we wish him the very, very best. But it did not take us long to locate uh, some people with some Purdue volleyball ties. Uh, my son, Kyle Shondell, who is currently the head volleyball coach for Indiana Tech's men's team, they finished fifth in the NAIA national championships a year ago in their, in their second year right. of existence. So I'm very proud of the job that he has done, and he's a real talker, so he'll have no problem uh, filling in, uh, filling the bill here uh, as the play-by-play guy. He'll have some things to learn, so I'm sure fans will be patient with him. But he's, he just, I put, the, put it out there that we had lost our play-by-play guy, and f- five minutes later, he was asking to do the job. And I thought, well, how can you do that? And he talked to his athletics director, and they worked it out at Indiana Tech. And so he's going to be uh, the guy behind the play-by-play mic. And then one of the greatest athletes to ever play the sport at Purdue University, Val Nickel, who is coming off of uh, two pro seasons here the past year. She played in the very first women's pro league in Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. um, in the United States, and then also went to Puerto Rico uh, about three weeks after that and, and played in that pro league. And now she's back here and uh, um, going to do the job with Kyle and be our – uh, a color commentator, game analyst, and expert in the field. And so uh, what a great tag team uh, to get our fans through what are going to be some emotionally charged moments uh, this season. Definitely. It's going to be fun listening to them uh, learn the job on the fly and, and have a ton of fun while they do it. So. Yeah. And really, the bottom line is fans uh, – Fans aren't totally concerned about how professional the hometown <laughs> announcer is. They they want to know the inside skinny. Yep. And uh, I you know I always loved Cliz because he was a homer. Okay. I mean he didn't make any bones about it. Uh, he was he was he was here for Purdue, and uh, he had the inside dope because he knew Matt so well, and and uh, so fans knew what the heck was going on. So now you got Kyle and Val Nickel, who are going to be around our program and have been around our program for a long time. So they'll do a great job, but I'm looking forward to hearing those conversations you have with them. Should be good. We'll uh, we'll hear from them in just a minute. For now, Coach, we're going to wrap this segment uh, of our show. I know you've got practice to go get ready for. Good luck, and we'll see you on the, uh, on the home boards Friday night. Thanks, Corey. Looking forward to it. Now, as promised, uh, Coach... Coach Shondell, Coach Dave Shondell gave us the uh, gave us a, a little bit of an intro on on our new radio team. But Kyle Shondell, Val Nickel, great to have you guys uh, on the call this season. Welcome to uh, to you know your your current reality. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know I'm looking forward to to listening. Uh, Kyle, what was so appealing uh, when you heard this opening was coming to to jump on the microphone? Uh, I'll be boldly honest out of the gate it was kind of a joke uh in a text group we heard that daniel gilman had had taken a different opportunity and i messaged my my father and said you know my my fall is more open these days that i coach men and my season's in the spring uh but then about an hour and a half later uh in a kind of quick chat with my wife i said hey actually uh if we can make this thing work i'd love to because uh broadcast in any form has kind of been a I don't know, a pipe dream of mine since I was young. Uh, there was a moment at Purdue uh, that I studied uh, sports journalism, one of my many majors at Purdue. Um, there was uh, always something about play-by-play that kind of just came natural to me. Uh, so I thought it was a great opportunity to combine that with my love for Purdue volleyball. 
Great answer. I remember you jumping on. I think you called a game or two with with me back in the day on on BTN Plus. We did that, yeah, yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, Val, how about you? I know you got a, a chance to call a couple of games last year. Um, dip your toe into the water a little bit. Uh, apparently, you liked it a little bit more and and decided to to go a full slate. Uh, what what was appealing to you? Um, last season when I did call a couple games, I was a little hesitant to commit to a full season just because I wasn't one of my many majors at Purdue, but I have, however, spent a lot of time around the game and being here back in West Lafayette, like I wanted to be a part of this program. I wanted to like even play the smallest part. And I think that with my experience as a player, like, and then Kyle's experience actually calling the game. I think the combination of the two of us also I've known Kyle for like, what seems like forever. I think it will be, I think it will be fun. I think it will be a good collaboration and I'm excited to get started. Have you gotten any advice from, from any uh, others in the business or maybe from former teammates? I haven't gotten advice, but I have watched um, like, obviously, I think the first name that comes to my mind is Salima. So I've watched her call games and I've watched old games that she's called to kind of expand. I kind of expand my vocabulary, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like I don't want to feel like I'm repeating the same things over and over again, because while volleyball, each play is different, like the reaction and the, like how you color commentate a play, I feel like I was stuck in like a, kind of a rut and I didn't want to be repetitive and like, and be boring basically. So I think that that's kind of my way of expanding that. I don't think you could ever be boring. We'll just get that out there right now. <laughs> Kyle, I want to ask you if you've gotten any advice, cause I know your dad and I'm sure you have. Um, but do you, do you expect, do you expect like full game tape breakdowns after, uh, after your call? I, I would fully hope that throughout the course of the season, he and the staff are more focused on game film uh, and preparing for Penn State, Nebraska, et cetera, than they are on somehow replaying the audio play-by-play -play broadcast. Uh, but I also know my father, so I can't rule that out. Um, I'm sure <laughs> there will be some constructive criticism. Uh, he, has, he has built his brand on that, but it will only make people better. So I look forward to it. Boy, you sound like a coach. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um We'll go out on this one. Uh, we were you were up in the offices uh, a couple weeks ago working out the technology of of the radio call and all the gear uh, you know that needs to be set up, tested, the the clear pathway, getting the internet hooked up to the radio station. Who's in charge of that? Which which one of you is that going to fall to? Uh, I think I think Val gets the responsibility of, of carrying the items and making sure that they securely get to where they're supposed to be. Uh, thankfully, during the process of training, I think we both videotaped the entire process. So worst case, we can go to our phones uh, and see how to set it up. It'll probably end up being me, uh, but we have resources if we fall. There you go. Let's just say if something goes wrong, it's Kyle's fault. And if we get it right, it was a team effort. I guess that's how being a coach works. So we'll go with that. Take the praise and pass the blame. I love it. That's, yeah. that's the way I go yeah. through life every day. Uh, you guys, first broadcast Friday night, uh, 6 o'clock against Loyola Marymount. Uh, 
going to experience any game day jitters, you think, Val? Honestly, I think I will. I think, I think I'm already feeling that. Like, it's like game week, first game of the season. Like, I know I'm not playing, but it's kind of like I still have to be ready on Friday. And, yeah, I think I'm going to have some jitters, but I'm actually – I'm really excited. I'm full of emotion and ready to get started. Love it. That's the that's the that's exactly what you want to hear from your players, right, Kyle? That you got some jitters, but you're ready. Yeah, I I think that that's I was just thinking the same answer, uh, similar. I think about matches of my own when I'm nervous and not nervous, and you like to think the ones you're more prepared for, you're not going to be nervous about. Uh, but even those that I think we're the most prepared for, you can't control everything. And you bring it up Friday night, uh, and I, I saw a tweet yesterday about the border <laughs> block. And I'm realizing now that the block party's back in, the band is back in. It's going to be a full Holloway gym environment, and I haven't seen that in a long time. So it, it might rock me a little bit, but we'll we'll roll with the punches, I suppose. It'll be great. We can't wait to hear it uh, again. Friday night, six o'clock. If you can't make it to Holloway gym, listen to these two on the radio. I promise it'll be entertaining and informative, and the best hour and a half of your weekend. Uh, the Kyle, Val, good luck this season. Really looking forward to it. And uh, we'll, we'll see you at Holloway Friday. Everybody else, we hope to see you Friday in Holloway or Sunday afternoon when the Boilermakers take on Kansas. That will do it for this week on Dig City. We'll catch you next time. Boiler up.